0: If you have the ability internally to upskill, to train, right? And you just need employees who have the bones and the and the values that you align with, get them early, get them young, grow them internally, um, and create a pipeline for talent. And I think that's a very big long-term play. So it's not gonna happen overnight. It's gonna take years. Um, and then at the top levels, right? It's making that concentrated effort and focus, right? It's saying, Okay, if I'm going out to do an executive search, I insist on interviewing at least one person of color and one female, right? Like if you're traditionally an all white male leadership team, right? Like you have to make sort of big bold commitments to it because the volume isn't there. And and so it's not going to happen just by doing the exact same thing you're doing today. And so that's what what I mean is location is one thing, but it really is changing how you think about recruitment and talent overall. Um, And it has to come from up top.
1: That was built in co-founder and CEO Maria Catris on how tech companies are changing their approaches to building diverse and inclusive organizations and the impact of this new shift to remote on their ability to do so. We'll be back with more on that conversation and much more after a brief word from our sponsor. Redefining HR, one podcast at a time. Support for the Redefining HR podcast comes from PIN. PIN is building the world's first employee-centric communications tool, enabling your employees to automatically receive helpful messages at key moments throughout their journey, from onboarding to promotions and everywhere in between. PIN helps companies battle communication overload and puts your employees in control over when and how they receive information. Go to pinhq.com for more information. That's P-Y-N-H-Q dot And reinvents employee communications for the distributed workplace. And now, on to the show. Hey everyone, welcome to the Redefining HR podcast. I am your host, Lars Schmidt. And today, I am thrilled to be joined by the co-founder and CEO of BuiltIn, Maria Katris. Maria and I are going to cover a range of topics as it relates to where we stand in all things talent, uh, particularly around tech talent and shifting talent landscapes. Um, But before we do, we're going to spend a little bit of time getting to know built in a little bit better. So Maria, thanks so much for coming on the show. Uh, If you wouldn't mind, why don't you just open with a uh, introduction and background on you for the listeners.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, Thanks for having me, first and foremost. Um, My name is Maria Catres. I'm the co-founder and CEO of Built-in, as Lars mentioned. Um, For those of you not familiar with Built-in, we're a home for tech professionals, um, and we're also a tech recruitment platform. Um, So we have about 1,800 customers, companies from SMB all the way to the enterprise, who rely on us to fill mostly their tech roles and tech-adjacent roles. Um, And we do this by elevating their employer brands through content about their cultures, missions, and technical visions. And we put those stories in front of the right audience. Um, so we have about 200 200 we have 2.5 million professionals monthly who visit our site to read content about the companies that we're profiling Um, and when they discover content about a company that aligns with their values um, we inspire them to apply to those roles Um, so this is how we've become a top source of qualified inbound applicants for our customers Um, and it's also how we've become a top source for tech news and content period Um, and that's how we get the audience we get
1: yeah, and it's interesting because you, you you're in a couple different areas with, with that overview and I wanna I wanna dig into that. But before we do, I wanna go back to the beginning. You know, what was the what was your origin story? How did built in come to be?
0: Yeah, for sure. So, you know, it's been almost 10 years now um, and built in really came to be out of this notion that um, we wanted a way to bring everyone in the Chicago tech community together and promote the story of the Chicago's tech community. Um, Chicago at the time had a 20 year plus history. Now you might call it a 30 year plus history. Um, however, no one thought of us as a tech hub and we wanted to change that. And so built in was seeded as basically a social networking platform Um, and so what happened though is it'd be with self-generated content um, and then also we started to sort of write stories um, about companies and profile them and what we found out was startup leaders began emailing us and saying when we would write about them We were helping them attract top talent and that was really the aha moment and where we felt like we needed to go deeper Um, i always wanted to solve a massive problem and felt like there was no other massive problem than talent Um, and so what we realized we ended up doing was we humanized recruitment uh, and in doing so became really effective and disruptive Um, and so today moving forward you know we started in one geo we then started servicing eight different geos um, and frankly the main Major tech hubs in the U.S. Um, most recently with COVID we began to support remote roles nationwide and this year we're changing the game again and we're creating the infrastructure to offer access to talent nationally by the end of this year through builtin.com which is our national site.
1: Yeah. And so, what is the uh, what is the significance of built in? How do you land on that name?
0: <laughs> so, I actually didn't come up with it. Um, so, my co founder, Matt, uh, was having pizza and beer in his office one night with a number of actual startup founders and venture capitalists in Chicago. And at the time, they actually collectively came up with the name. And I think at the time it was sort of akin to the made in New York movement Uh, made in NYC had launched to do something very similar for the New York City tech community and they didn't want to use made in and so they picked built-in and and so now and obviously back then they were looking at it as this community platform to promote chicago Uh, now you know we hear a lot of jokes around the name and people are always asking about the name but um it really represents that companies are being built in a particular geo or now cross geos right
1: yeah no that's interesting i mean especially now and i definitely want to get into that as you mentioned that kind of as more companies have shifted towards uh remote and hybrid it's really kind of radically shifted the landscape for talent particularly tech talent Um, and getting into tech, like I know you've been, you know, deeply immersed in the tech ecosystem since, you know, since before launching built in, but certainly over the last 10 years, how has the space evolved? Like what, what are some things that stand out to you in terms of the tech landscape today and the tech ecosystem today, um, versus when you started 10 years ago?
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, so much has changed and we could take all different angles with this conversation. However, I'll focus on the two ways really that candidates have changed. Right. Because at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. Right. If we don't have candidates and we don't have access to them um, and we don't serve them, uh, we won't have them. <laughs> and so, right. you know, uh, for me, it's twofold. Right. Um, The biggest one, having lived through 2020, right, is Everyone's really rethinking. Employees are rethinking what they really want, and I do believe flexible work is here to stay. Um, and and I mean flexible, right? Um, I don't mean one hundred percent remote. I mean flexible work is here to stay. And yes, some people will choose remote, but it's really much more about flexibility, right? Employees and candidates want options. Um, They wanna work where they'll thrive. They wanna be closer to their families. They wanna be in cities with lower cost of living, right? They wanna work sometimes remote if they choose or they wanna work in hybrid models, right? Um, And this is what drove really our decision to offer the remote work feature to our customers in 2020 uh, because we saw where the market was evolving and it had started before COVID. COVID really just accelerated it. Um, That had, you know, the remote feature had been on our roadmap for about a. Year prior, but it really accelerated with COVID, um, and now it's really driving our our mission to offer national access to talent because so many candidates are living and moving to third and fourth tier geos, right? Whereas before, you had your major tech hub sort of pulling in all the talent. Now, because candidates want choice and they want flexibility, and they you know want to live closer to family. We have to evolve and we have to go where they are so that's the first thing is you know i really think flexibility um in work is here to stay the second piece and really more importantly and very timely is people more than ever want companies to have a commitment to d and i right um it goes without saying that you know there was so much that happened in 2020 that drove this And there will be so many positive outcomes in result of this. Um, And part of the the first point goes hand in hand with DEI, right? The idea that if talent is everywhere and can live and work everywhere and then companies start to hire everywhere, right? The notion is that you probably have access to more diverse candidates and a a bigger pool, right? Um, uh, But we recently did a DEI report and it was fascinating, actually, in in a good and bad way, right? 90% of employees that we pulled said that feeling respected at work is important, and the astonishing part is that 74% of white employees report feeling this way, but only 52% of black employees agree right and for 75% of surveyed companies less than 10% of employees are black and African American right so. We have a lot of work to do in tech. I mean, a lot. Um, You know, there are some areas we have made progress, right? Um, So in 2020, the tech industry as a whole placed much more emphasis on DEI than ever before. And so the percentage of companies that actually invested in DEI jumped from 75% in years prior to 86% in 2020. Um, and 46% of employees say they've noticed this uptick. Um, you know, I do not believe this is a fad at all. It is the future. Um, and for teams that are not evolving um, to focus on DEI, you will be left behind. And you know, I'll give you very firsthand experience in 10 years of being in tech, running a tech company, recruiting for our own employees in the last three months i've had three candidates answer my question i always ask which is why would you leave your current employer to come to built-in and i had three people specifically tell me they do not agree with their company's dei practices i do not think this is a fad i think it is an expectation um and and for me frankly i'm sort of cheering in the background right this is great like this is it's setting a new standard that we all need to live up to and focus on and it's not just about being diverse right that's why we say dei it's it's how are we changing our cultures internally to focus on inclusion just as much as we are bringing in diverse talent
1: yeah and it's interesting too i think the you know the, the tech space specifically um, I mean, let's be honest, has struggled with diversity for years. And I think that, uh, you know, the, the, the efforts and the appetite today uh, does feel different. The commitments do feel different. And I'd love to get your perspective, and you touched on this a little bit, but as you, as you see more companies embracing, uh, you know, let's just say choice, so hybrid, fully remote, uh, they're empowering employees to kind of be in the driver's seat in terms of where and how they work. How do you see that? You know, is that is that the thing that perhaps unlocks this uh, this path to more inclusive uh, tech companies that we've been we've been struggling with for so long?
0: Yeah, a- absolutely. It could, right? I don't think it's the only thing, right? Um, I yeah. think I think recruiting cross borders absolutely helps right because you know i think a lot has been written about silicon valley and their lack of diversity in that geo and so right if silicon valley-based companies are now starting to expand outside of silicon valley right they will have access to a more diverse set of candidates so that will for sure help i think more importantly though it's fascinating to talk to some of our customers and hear what they're focused on but really it's it's about balancing long-term and short-term strategies. And it's really going to come from the top down, right? It's, you know, if leadership at these companies isn't invested in making this a priority, it will never become a priority. And what I mean by that is, you know, it's two parts. It's how do you find net new candidates? And you can't do it overnight, right? You can't say, I want to increase people of color across the company by 25% in one year if, you have all white people at your company and when they come in it's going to be a culture mismatch and they're not ready and you're not ready to make them feel included right and so there's this very big balance that needs to get strike between the two right and then there's also a frame of mind right with tech companies and especially early stage companies right when we were first building built in and we really started by serving smb and growth Right, your typical tech startups. Um, now we go all the way to the enterprise, but specifically for the early stage companies, right? You always hear, oh, we don't want entry-level talent. We don't want entry-level talent. Well, guess what? If you're not open to entry-level talent, you're automatically decreasing the pool of candidates you can go after, right? Which increases your ability to bring in more diverse talent. And so um, we've been hearing a lot of conversation around the fact that people are starting to go to colleges they're starting to focus on very specific colleges where they know they can recruit diverse talent and they can train them and you know and so I always share with our clients I say if you have the ability internally to upskill to train right and you just need employees who have the bones and the and the values that you align with Get them early, get them young, grow them internally um, and create a pipeline for talent. And I think that's a very big long term play. So it's not going to happen overnight. It's going to take years. Um, And then at the top levels, right, it's making that concentrated effort and focus, right? It's saying, okay, if I'm going out to do an executive search, I insist on interviewing at least one person of color and one female, right? Like if you're traditionally an all white male leadership team, right? Like you have to make sort of big, bold commitments to it because the volume isn't there. And and so it's not going to happen just by doing the exact same thing you're doing today. And so that's what, what I mean is location is one thing, but it really is changing how you think about recruitment and talent overall um and it has to come from up top you know in my in my opinion
1: yeah no and i i appreciate that i mean i appreciate all that but that that closing comment specifically because i think too often companies look at diversity as you know purely an hr priority and yes you know hr uh can do a lot to enable success there or not But ultimately, the executive, the executive team, the CEO, the founder, they have to really be committed um, and committed to doing the work and investing the time uh, and the process to make that happen. And so, yeah, I think those are such great points. Hey, everyone. I hope you're enjoying the show. I want to take a brief break to share a new initiative that I think you'll find helpful. Redefining HR started with this podcast and evolved into a best-selling book, laying a framework for modern HR and people operations. I'm excited to share the next evolution, the Redefining HR Accelerator. The Accelerator is a full platform to build, inspire, and support the next generation of people leaders, including cohort programs, courses, open source resources, and most importantly, community. Thanks to listeners like you, Redefining HR is now broadened into a tire platform focused on building readiness for tomorrow's HR today. Learn more at redefininghr.com. And now, back to the show. I'd love to get, you know, I, I, would be, I, I wouldn't be able to talk to you without trying to dig into your data to some extent. And I would love, I mean, you have such an interesting data set around tech talent and and trends and i think uh, you had mentioned you know we, we talk a lot since the pandemic about the exodus from places like silicon valley you know or new york or other kind of larger tech hubs uh, as a result of both the pandemic and the the increase of remote and hybrid work um what does your data show like what do you like anecdotally people are talking about this but i haven't seen i've seen some small data sets around this but obviously uh, you know you're sitting on a, a, a mountain of gold data as it relates to uh you know the tech landscape so what what does your data show in terms of how you know the fluidity of tech talent since 2020
0: yeah absolutely no it, it is fascinating and honestly anecdotally it's exactly what you've probably read about um, but i'll tell you specifically for for us because you know more than 50 percent of our audience fall into the engineer product right data type roles um, it is fascinating um, the fastest growing there's two tidbits one is what's going on with remote versus local and then these and in office jobs and then the second is which markets are growing the fastest right and so i'll start with the second one the which markets are growing the fastest so in january or since january of 2020 seattle is number one in fastest growing Mm -hmm. um behind that is austin at number two but what's even more fascinating is what i would call and maybe this isn't fair and I'll get slapped on the wrist for it, but, you know, your tier three markets, right? The markets behind those. And there are some surprising under-the-radar cities. Um, Nashville, Tampa, Jacksonville, greater Phoenix area, Dallas, right? But think about it warmer weather yeah (laughs) you know lower cost of living um you could argue better taxes right so there's there's so many things you could point to to say makes a lot of sense makes a lot of sense um and so and now that people have choice right and so then when you look at user behavior on the site as it relates to remote bear in mind our remote feature rolled out i believe in may of 2020 right so Today, we have more than 10,000 open remote roles across 1,200 companies on built in. In June of 2020, 12% of all job views on built in were remote. In February 2021, that jumped to 29% of all job views were remote. Um, So we've had about 380,000 remote job views per month um, this year in January, February, which is an increase of 164% since May of 2020. Right. Um, not only that, but what also is fascinating in Canada behavior is this year 85% of users are open and indicate they are open to remote roles. That's compared to 30% one year ago, right? Wow. So the, you know, another fascinating point, and again, this relates to why they're choosing remote, but the underlying thing is they want to you know, they want that they wanted work-life balance in 2019. In 2019, the number one benefit our users preferenced was work-life balance, right? 2020, it's remote. But if you think about it right, it's here's a pool of candidates that was burnt out. They're all saying, okay, work-life balance is my number one priority in 2019. COVID hits, and now 2020, they all want remote right? They're both aligned. They're in essence saying the same thing. And we even sent out an internal employee survey, right? It's people want flexibility. People, people, while everyone's been isolated right now, and there are so many mental health problems and Zoom fatigue, and there's so many cons, right? The one benefit that COVID has provided all of us, frankly, is Hey, I can save time commuting. I can get another workout in. I can throw in a, you know, laundry while, you know, I can actually see my kids for dinner. There's there's so many benefits to that work-life balance that now that people have seen that, they're like, I don't want to lose that. And so now everyone wants the best of both worlds, which transparently is awesome for employees, it's really going to be tough for employers to fill that um, yeah. It is a very expensive to give everyone whatever flexibility they want. And it is very hard to regulate that across different teams, different levels of experience, right? Your your entry level right out of college to your very senior execs, right? To the type of work they're going to be doing. So it's going to be a massive challenge for the companies to evolve and adapt to this.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's that's a great point. Flexibility is so key. And you're right. Like We're pretty accustomed to you know, more playbook orientation, more formulaic offerings and, and consistent offerings. And so now when we have to, you know, shift our default to flexible, that's, that's a big shift. It's a mindset shift, it's a resource shift, uh, it's a communication shift, I mean, everything. It impacts everything. So that, uh, that's a really good point. You know, I, I'm actually curious on the, on the data on the cities and you mentioned some of the um, kind of third tier cities that you're seeing a big lift. We hear a lot about Miami. Right. Like Austin, you know, Austin, in terms of especially for in tech, you know, everybody's talking about moving to Austin. Um, But Miami, you know, at least in terms of the chatter is up there as well. Does it does that show up in your data? Like where where does uh, where does Miami kind of sit in terms of uh, some of the other other tertiary cities that are starting to climb?
0: Yeah, for sure. Miami is absolutely making some noise right now. It's not as high as some of the other ones I referenced. Um, However, it is on our list um, for our national platform. So we're launching about 40 plus new geos on builtin.com later this year. And Miami is one of them. Um, Here's the thing, right? You you have to also pair where candidates are going with where companies are going and where and where the government is putting a big PR voice behind it right and so and then there's different nuances behind these markets right like some may have more startups some may have more fortune 500 and so if you think about it right a startup can employ maybe five people in a given year 225 a fortune 500 moving an hq to Dallas is significant right um and so that's where that really is going to drive some of this as well. Um, and then from a candidate standpoint, again, it's I think we're going to continue to see that all these lifestyle markets are going to c- continue to grow.
1: yeah, and I want to I want to shift gears from your data for a moment and kind of jump into your your people operations at mm-hmm. built in. Um, you know the first question for you would be, how, you know obviously, I think for certainly for a lot of us in the field of HR, but I think a lot of CEOs and executives as well, like uh, and frankly, humans that have gone through the pandemic, it's, it's shifted some of their perceptions towards towards business, towards work, towards people. And I'm curious to get your perspective, like as a CEO, how has the events of 2020, how have the events of 2020 shaped your kind of perspectives on the people function, you know, specifically within built in, but also, you know, you can apply that just broadly to the, you know, the role of the people function within organizations
0: yeah absolutely i mean frankly our t- we'd be lost without our people team right now you know and it goes without saying that it's all hands on deck um in addition in my co- conversations with other ceos i will tell you in my entire career i've never spent more time with our people worried about our people and talking through solutions to serve our people better right um our people are struggling right now right they're overworked they're isolated They're dealing with children at home. They're dealing with sick parents or family members. They have people in their close circles passing away from a global pandemic. Um, And they're being rocked by social injustice left and right, right? Um, And so we've all had to evolve. We've all had to listen. We've all had to spend more time. I have done an extraordinary amount of one-on-ones with people throughout the business um, over the past year or so. I've spent countless hours with our VP of People, Kelly, talking through what we need to do to serve our people better. Um, one of the th- biggest shifts we are making internally—you know—we went all of 2020 really deep. Um, our Director of HR, Catalina Coleman, who's amazing, is now leading our DEI efforts. Um, you know, we went all in on listening sessions, really learning trainings creating a manifesto and it's not just words, but it's like, what does it mean? And making sure our leaders, our managers, like everyone needs to be aware of what this means for their colleagues, right? And we spent a lot of 2020 there. Now we're shifting a lot and a lot of our roadmap as it relates to people has to do with things like upskilling, career pathing, EQ, right? How do you deliver feedback? What we found in this global pandemic is You know, you could have managers previously who had little to no EQ, were a little inexperienced as people managers and were somewhat successful in doing their job, right? Because people didn't require much. That has completely flipped on its head. Uh, We need every single manager, top to bottom entry level managers to senior execs to have extremely high EQ be able to support their people, be able to motivate them, be able to be human with them. And what I realized more than anything in 2020 was that was an innate in people and we weren't spending enough time there with our people. Um, And so Kelly and I combined, Kelly comes from a coaching background, our VP of people and I have spent an extraordinary amount of time coaching to this in the past year, Um, having conversations with leaders, scripting talk tracks for them. You know, I'm rolling up my sleeves. Kelly's rolling up her sleeves. We are going all in because at the end of the day, without people, your company doesn't exist. And this isn't something just the people team can handle. Like everyone needs to step up. Everyone needs to carry their weight. So you'll see a lot more of that i believe in the coming year where this isn't just about recruitment off onboarding offboarding dei this is about what are we doing to invest in the talent we have and how are we growing them as people leaders right and how are they managing and communicating with their teams um because they're struggling our people are struggling
1: yeah, and that's you know it's interesting. Uh, I appreciate the you know the all hands on deck comment for one because I think you're right. It's definitely the, the circumstances require uh, a you know whole of house uh, perspective, so to speak, as opposed to looking at one particular team to kind of support the employee base. Uh, and I, and I'm you know that you mentioned kind of focusing on on really supporting the managers and making sure that they're checking in on their employees and making sure they're doing okay. I think that piece is also. So important because, you know, we do have a lot of managers that uh, have never managed remotely and, you know, many have never worked remotely, let alone working remotely and managing remotely, coupled with the fact that this isn't really a remote work. This is about as suboptimal as, <laughs> uh, you right. know, working from home could possibly be. So it's, uh, I, th- I think the em- placing the emphasis where you are makes a lot of sense. Um, you know, at this point in time, as we're recording this, you know, companies are beginning to have conversations around Return to workplace and what that might look like, and and we seem to be doing well in the U.S. with uh, vaccination, uh, you know, adoption and availability, uh, and so you know, th- there's a glimmer of hope in the air around uh, you know where things are are trending and where things are heading, and and I'm curious to get your perspective. Like as you as you think about you know kind of touching on all the things we've talked about from uh, DEI and racial equity to flexibility to remote, when when you think about how we begin designing what's next for work, right? Work broadly. What do you get most excited about? What do do you think is like the biggest opportunity for us to make sure that we're seizing as as we kind of chart this path forward?
0: yeah for sure and i love how you phrase that right what's the most exciting part because i was like oh no does he want me to really talk about all the challenges we're having designing our return to work (laughs) policy (laughs) like like (laughs) this is a nightmare no it's uh that
1: was implied so (laughs) (laughs) right right
0: right right um i love the focus on the positive here are the things that excite me the most right uh first and foremost increased innovation right
1: uh
0: it, it goes without saying remote work does not lend itself to the utmost innovation. It is very hard to collaborate being remote and having everyone remote. And so even the idea of hybrid fascinates me and excites me to be able to get on a whiteboard and brainstorm with my team and have strategic conversations. I think we're going to see a lot of increased innovation and acceleration. And we need to, right? Because, you know, first and foremost, forget for the tech companies who, you know, have thrived historically by being innovative and constantly innovating, but COVID accelerated all these digital transformations, right? For companies who have never had tech front and center, how are they gonna succeed all being remote, right? Like there's a lot that needs to get unraveled and there's a lot of innovation to be had there. And so I think you'll see those companies specifically thriving as we move into a hybrid work environment. Um, The second piece, and we've kind of hit on this already, but a must have focus on DEI with a focus on inclusion like we've never seen before, right? I don't think this is a fad, it's not going away. I am super excited that this is becoming the new standard um, and that I really believe companies who go deep here and actually make progress are gonna have a competitive edge, right? In a highly competitive market where tech unemployment is 3%, right? Um, This will give all companies a competitive edge. And I think it could be fascinating to watch. Um, The third thing I would say is the human side of work, right? We've all seen each other's bedrooms at this point, homes, children, pets, like there's no going back, (laughs) you know, you you know, you know, your coworkers in a way you didn't know them before. And as much as you don't get that socialization with them, right? Like, it's okay to have your kid in the background. It's okay to, you know, have a hoodie on at times. Right. And so I think, you know, people and identity and showing up to work Who you are at home is going to become the norm, and that's amazing. And that also leads to more focus on DEI, right? Because now we don't have separate identities at work and home, and that that has kind of dissipated with COVID, which I think is great. Uh, The fourth, and you know, I think this is the obvious one, is decreased digital exhaustion, right? Um, (laughs) More more hybrid is going to lead to less Zoom fatigue, less isolation, less silos, right? I think a lot of times now, you know a two minute in-person conversation is becoming a 30 minute Zoom meeting. And by the end of the day, our brains are fried. And there's fascinating research about what um, Zoom and staring at Zoom is doing to all of us to the akin of like PTSD, right? It's it's So this decreased digital exhaustion is, is going to be an, a tremendous thing for everyone. Um, and then last but not least, right, better leadership. I am a very big people leader. I focus on our people. Uh, I I love coaching. I love upskilling them. I love treating them as humans, and I love serving them. And I think more than ever, uh, leaders are going to be put under the microscope now. Uh, if they weren't tested in 2020, they're going to continue being tested. And I think it will make for better leadership overall.
1: Yeah, I well, I think those are all excited points. And I think, uh, you know, despite obviously the, the difficulty of uh, not just the return to workplace plans, but everything we've been through. I think that uh, it is gonna it is gonna unlock our future in in ways that uh, had we not had this experience, um, you know, we we wouldn't. Uh, and so that that is definitely something to um, you know kind of silver lining in all of the very real and very difficult times uh, that we've we've been through over the past uh, you know year plus. Um, Maria, I'm, I'm really, uh, appreciative of you coming on the podcast and, and, you know, giving us a little more insight into built in and, uh, you know, some of the data that you're sitting on and some of your views towards people. Um, I close every episode with a little lightning <laughs> round to uh, help the listeners get to know you a little bit better outside of the context of work. So, uh, mm-hmm. if you can just try to keep your answers to around a sentence each and are you ready?
0: Yep, I'm ready. <laughs>
1: All right. I am uh, I am digging into your Spotify uh, playlist account. Who will I discover are your top artists?
0: <laughs> okay, well, today it's the Pitch Perfect playlist because my daughter is obsessed and, you know, <laughs> kids win when they're in the car. Yes, they uh, do. Throughout 2020, it was actually The Greatest Showman on repeat um, because I played This Is Me for my team at a time when we needed to hear it. And then I just became obsessed. And well, it got me through the end of 2020. Let's just say that. And then Always and Forever will be Eye of the Tiger. Uh, When we were in the office, I would always play it for the commercial teams at the end of every quarter. And it sort of became our thing. Uh, So I really do miss that time of the quarter in the office. And so I like to still play that.
1: You know, my four-year-old uh, just started singing that randomly uh, <laughs> the other day. And I was so proud.
0: <laughs> that's amazing. I, was I, like, <laughs> I, <laughs> I still think some of my employees look at me like, wait, what song is this? Like, <laughs> so that's I mean, impressive that your yes. four-year-old knows it.
1: <laughs> yeah, I was, uh, I was a very proud papa at that moment. Um, okay, your least favorite business buzzword.
0: Oh, my goodness. Okay, so I don't know if it's, you know, per se my least favorite, but it kind of makes me laugh because I'm like, where did this come from? Is the quote-unquote double click. Can I double mm, click on this? Yeah. I, I literally find myself using it. Our team uses it. It somehow appeared in 2020. I can't figure out why or when, but it's it's here, and it's been here. And I just sort of laugh when I hear it, um, and people are catching themselves saying it, and it's it's kind of funny. I'm like, where did this come from? But, yeah.
1: Yeah. I, uh, I use it more than I would like. And I feel <laughs> bad when I use it. There's certain buzzwords that they're, they're just, they're, they're so embedded in your common vernacular that you just throw them out there. And, and then you're like, Oh God, I'm, I'm that person using those words. Um, yeah. okay. If you weren't building built in, what would you be doing?
0: Yeah. So when you know, one thing that's near and dear to me is my two, I have two, three kids, and two of them were afflicted with a genetic blood disease. Um, and I would spend all my time and energy focusing on funding and promoting research for it. So that is what I hope to continue to do even now, uh, you know, simultaneously, but I think that's what I'll do one day if, you know, when, when built in isn't, um, you know, in my purview, but that is something that's really important to me.
1: And uh, last question for you, Maria, uh, what is who I should say? Who is one business leader that you admire and why?
0: So I have a lot, um, but really I'll zone in on Cheryl Sandberg. Um, she, you know, and and for a few specific reasons, right. Reading her book early on in my career, probably, you know, when it first came out, She was really the first person who said, you know what, it's okay to go home at five and have dinner with your kids. Right. Um, And she was also the first person to call out publicly how many women take themselves out of the workforce before they need to make that choice. And so when she wrote the book, Lean In, right, she really highlighted major challenges women face throughout their careers and also kind of where they need to step up and take ownership. Right. So. It w- this book really sort of relieved me of that pressure a little bit as I was having children and, and you know, growing the company, but also it helped me be a better leader. It helped me figure out how I needed to lead by example um, with, with my team and also how to advise some of my younger staff. Uh, so it really just stood out for me as something that was really critical uh, pretty early on.
1: Well, Maria, I really appreciate you taking some time to uh, uh, jump in the lightning round and help us get to know you a little bit better and uh, and coming on the show and uh, helping us know more about your role and your world. So thanks so much for making time for this.
0: Absolutely. Thanks for having me. And honestly, thanks for promoting everything you do with the HR tech community. Um, you know, I think community more than ever is going to become really important in the coming years. And I just really appreciate everything you're doing.
1: Yeah, well, I appreciate that. Thanks so much and uh, take care. You too. Bye. Thanks for tuning into this episode of Redefining HR. For more information on the podcast, past episodes, future guests, the Redefining HR book, or free resources, be sure to check out RedefiningHR.com. And if you dig this podcast, why don't you share it with your CEO, your executive team, and your friends to help them discover what Redefining HR is all about. If you really dig this podcast, I'd love for you to leave a review on whatever podcast delivery vehicle your ears prefer. See you next week we you